back to the psychotic break i'm kimmy and i'm maddie and today we are going to be talking about the basics of language yay it may seem like like you might be wondering why language and that's a valid thing to wonder but it's actually a pretty cool topic and i think you guys are gonna like it (laughs) i'm sorry okay Okay, I'm 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 coming down. I'm coming. Obviously, Kimmy is having trouble with language. (laughs) It was the fact that you went with like, like, and then I was like, "Oh shit, we're fucked. This is the start." Oh no, I didn't even realize. Well, a language issue that we have is filler words. Use it, and for any of those who don't know what filler words are, because it's not intuitive to everyone, and, you know, if we're talking about language, we should be breaking everything up or breaking everything down. So filler words are excess words that you don't need to convey your meaning. (laughs) We have used like, you know, yeah, just, just, um, Honestly, awkward pauses are better than all of those, so I'm just going to stick with that. But it's so hard to do because instinctually we want to fill the silence. However, our choice in filler words, maybe not the best. Arguably, it's better than a lot of people's choices. I mean... (laughs) I used to be really snarky in high school, and... I would count people's use of like and um in regular conversation, but also class presentations. And if I was having a bad enough day, I would echo every single time they said like, and it would really throw them off. And maybe that's why I don't talk to any of those people anymore. Oh my god. You are simultaneously the best for teaching them that they are using a filler word so many times however scaring the absolute christ out of them for the rest of their lives yeah if you point a filler word out to someone enough times they're going to struggle and they're going to constantly think about it and be insecure and they will either just not talk to you or they will be scarred emotionally (laughs) i will say Part of it is probably because we are Californians. We are known for the Valley Gal speech, which is filled with filler words. This is true. And since we are talking about language, why do you think that is? Why do you think this that we have this geographical feature of using filler words? It's, I think part of it comes from the culture of the place where... I would say you always hear that East Coasters are a little more aggressive, and that's totally fair. They fought in wars. They were like the OG people. They have more personality. No offense to us, but then you always hear the Southern draw because like everything moves a little slower. It's not as fast paced. Mm. And then you go into the Midwest where they're kind of more catty because they don't have much to do as well. They 
kind of are the Midwest for a reason. There's not much going on. There's a lot of just empty space. And then we head over into California where there is a slight divide between the Southern California filled with likes and just. And part of that, I think, and this might be a little rude, but in the fact of the fake energy that might come from Southern California, where being the stereotypical airhead or whatever is, I don't know, a trait to say, because unfortunately, at least for women, if you want to get famous, which is where most people go to get famous, you have to be a little dumb, which is fucked. And then you head up a bit north, and of course, we're going to carry on those awful traits that we picked up from down south. I love that description. It makes a lot of sense that depending on how busy a certain culture is, they're going to speak a little differently. If if I have more time to have a conversation with someone, I'm going to slow down. And maybe by slowing down, I'll be able to think about my words before they come out. And I won't be using as many filler words. And I also like your point about the, you know, airhead traits. I do think another part of that is drugs. I think that's a problem that we have more than some other states. (laughs) But actually, maybe Oregon is worse than us. No offense to Oregon. But yeah, I, I think, you know, mental deficiencies can impact language also. It would explain why we might be getting a little stupider in our sentences in terms of San Francisco is now home to weed, I would argue, a little bit of a party area. On top of that, decriminalizing of some psychedelics. So our brains might not all be there. Yeah. Well, I thought, I think we took an interesting uh, turn in the beginning of this episode talking about language. What can impact language? Let's bring it back a little bit and talk about the language basics. Language. And we've done it again, (laughs) where we talked about the topic without actually defining the topic. But I mean, come on, language. It's how we communicate with one another. It's a series of sounds that string together into words and follow a certain set of rules to convey meaning. That was really good, Maddie. Yeah, and I did without looking at the notes. If I look at the notes, I'm going to get confused because this... I don't think everyone realizes that there are such small, specific characteristics of language that even I mix up. So I'm going to let you take it away, Kimmy. Okay. So I used to live with a linguistics major. So if I get this wrong, well, obviously she didn't teach me very much. So as Maddie said, there's so many different parts to language, hence we're about to confuse the absolute shit out of you. (laughs) So let, okay, we're going to go into a bit of cognitive, but also developmental psychology in the sense of phonemes, which are, the definition is so stupid because it's literally this in every textbook you will ever see. The smallest possible sound component in a sentence or like even in a word. So Maddie, you know phonemes with developmental. I think I do. If 
it is what it sounds like, the smallest possible sound, then you just have to take a word like ball and the phoneme would be b. It's it's not the full word. It's it's not even really the letter. It's just b. Exactly. And they always say that infants, I want to say before nine months, know every phoneme, which I believe there's around 400 or so. And by nine months and up, you lose all of that ability and you hone in on only the phonemes that are relevant in your language. Yeah. And let's hold on that for a second, because that's a really incredible thing that babies can do. And there's this theory out there that babies have a language learning trait. There is it the language learning box? Is that what it, what it is? There, I think there's so many different things, like the acquisition of language, all of that. Yeah, I'll have to look into what that theory is, and I'll, I'll put it in the description. But babies are built to learn language, and it's not just specific to the language that they're brought up in. If you are an American who, speak, who has an English-speaking family, you have the capability of learning Mandarin or Tagalog or any other language But if you are not exposed to that language very early on, then your brain is like, nope, don't need this. And it starts pruning it out of you. So you can't hear the differences in those languages. If you've met anyone that can speak a different language, especially in college and especially in countries like Asia, they are from Asia. I mean, when you try to pronounce a word that they have told you or if they're telling you let's say a fruit or something and you repeat it back to them you will not be able to pronounce certain things because it is not part of your original language to the point that they think it is funny but you also are i don't i need like an example oh okay like in um in hindi there's a difference between the and the and it's like a d versus like a th goes right over my head but they can hear that and that is amazing yeah there's a lot of examples like that with m sounds in mandarin and if you look up phoneme videos you'll see that there's different ways of pronouncing things and a lot of the time you can't tell the difference but a native speaker of that language or an infant will be able to distinguish which is amazing So I guess moving on to the next one, which morphemes I don't think are as cool, but it's the smallest possible meaningful component of a word. So meaningful in the sense that it indicates something. So the example that I will use is when you use cats and dogs, the S at the end of each of those words indicates that there is multiple, which is kind of amazing because... I did not know that would be such a symbolic thing. Yeah, I mean, when you really break these things down, it's incredible that we know and can communicate with anyone because there's so many rules and learning another language, especially if you're past the age of eight, is really hard. Yeah, and it's um, kind of crazy to think that we're not taught morphemes. It's, I don't know how to describe it. I don't remember being told that. I would not have known about it unless we took any form of cognitive psych class. But I don't know. I'm really hung up on the idea that an S changes everything to some degree. 
Yeah. And we're not taught all of these things formally. It's just since we are language learners and it's built into our cognitive processes, it's just expected that we're going to learn it by observing other people talk. And I'll bring up Jeannie again, the example of the child without language. She was uh, basically held captive for her entire childhood and was not exposed to language. So she, by the time she was 13, she could not learn language very well because it just, she just wasn't exposed to it. You need to have examples and you need to be able to hear language and if you don't, then it's it's the use it or lose it methodology. No, exactly. And it's in that case specifically, I do find it in, like I want to see how she was communi- communicating prior, like if there was any form, because even though she was completely neglected, I wonder if there were like what were the few things she did learn before going into such like a shit situation you know i'm sure it had to do with food and water something she really needed and couldn't avoid not asking for even if it's using sign language or gestures working with children on the spectrum for my job who are nonverbal it's a lot easier for them to grab your hand and you know direct you to what they need by uh language is hard in that case i'm it kind of amazing in the sense that when you're a kid you always see them like holding up flashcards with images mm-hmm. and i didn't realize that if you are nonverbal, walking could be the best thing because you were able to show them as compared to when you're an infant you are stuck there if you need something you only have the ability to cry unfortunately yeah yeah And that's a really great point that I can relate to my clients. If they are nonverbal, yeah, they can get up and they can hopefully point to things, but not everything can be gestured to. You can't gesture to your internal feelings. You can't, you know, show me that you're tired. You can't show me that you're hungry. All these kids can do really is cry or tantrum, and that's because they don't have language. So language is powerful because it can convey meaning and get you out of that stuck situation. Yeah. And in that, I think you'll be able to do this and give a stronger example for this because, I mean, syntax. Syntax is the rules of language, so it would be phonological. Fuck me. (laughs) Phonological, which relates to phonemes, making sure that the series of sounds are going together correct. And this can often, it sounds like grammar because it basically is grammar. Grammar is the whole wide range. It's the whole book of rules that apply to a language where a syntax, where syntax is a very specific rule of language. I guess uh, an example, it's hard because I'm thinking of grammar. Um, (laughs) I guess a very specific example, and I could be wrong, it is there needs to be a noun and verb and I think a predicate in a sentence. Yeah, no. And there's like a certain order and that's why it's really challenging for different 
people that speak different languages to learn English because we mix up the order than what you commonly hear. But I'm imagining like, yet again, for someone that is nonverbal, how challenging this would be because it's one thing to be able to say water. You can assume you probably want water. Mm-hmm. But if you are being taught this whole like method to make a full sentence, that is really challenging. And I don't and I'm almost glad that I don't recall how we were taught that because I bet it was very, very painful. Maybe or maybe not. With my clients who I, I have a client who's starting to become verbal and I'm using sentence frames with them. First, we're just trying to get the basic words such as more, hungry. We're starting to teach this child um <clears throat> pronouns. So he can use me or Mm -hmm. I. And when you, so I'm just trying to get all of these basic things together. If he says I and hungry, I'm, I'm like, okay, you're hungry. That makes sense. Then I add on, I am hungry. And he learns that sentence and then he'll say that sentence. Maybe he'll say it before he realizes what it means. But when he says, I am hungry, I get him food. And More is another really important thing to use. More food, more water, more toys, or all done, which is I'm all done with this. And once you put that all together, you have a lot of commands that he can respond to. And it's not so hard to go from hungry to I'm hungry, or even me hungry, just (laughs) adding a pronoun in there. Yeah. Damn. No. That that's really cool. It's I'm not going Oh my god, I was going to say like it's like you know when people are trying to teach their animals how to talk by giving them like 50 different buttons and it's different things like love me, food, more, now, water, walk, all that kind of stuff. It gives off that energy, but I'm glad that you do not have buttons in front of you because you probably get very annoyed. (laughs) Yeah, that would definitely be annoying. But I guess my main point is there's a way to add on to these things and to go into like a very specific succession where it's just one small thing on top of the other. It's not like you have to learn this sentence right now. You just have to learn small pieces of it and we'll add on to it later. Well, I'm excited to talk about this next piece, which is prosody. Prosody or prosody, I don't even know if I'm saying it right, which is really ironic. It's how you say something. It's the tone and the pitch and the rhythm. And I am so excited to give you an example. Kimmy, give me a sentence. It could be anything. Um, I want to take a walk. All right. That's a great one. So. Oh, I learned this today in my emotion psychology class. Prosody is really important when you're saying a sentence because you can convey what emotion it is based on the prosody of that sentence. So let me hit you with a few of them and you tell me what emotion I'm I'm exhibiting. I want to go for a walk. You're eager. You're happy. I want to go for a walk. In my mind, it goes two ways because you're angry, but it also could be a demand like a child where she's like, now, give me the fucking walk now. 
<laughs> yeah. I was aiming for anger. Um, oh. here, here's uh, one more. I want to go for a walk. Depression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadness. So it's amazing that you can convey my emotion with the exact same sentence, just said differently. That is fucking wild. Okay, but so is that... Oh, I'm just thinking about how there's always that idea of, like, sociopaths are robotic, so they don't know how to, like, convey emotion. And then you think about how they get really hyped up about, like, fucking, like, Ted Bundy because he was so charismatic because he learned how to convey, like, and I'm putting this in parentheses, like, actual, like, normal people would talk to convey their emotions. It's concerning, and I do feel concerned. Well, I, I need to stop saying concerned. <laughs> Not a filler word, it's just a word I use too much. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> I can't think of a better word. It's not good. Yeah, my language is... <laughs> I can't use my very specific set of words. I will re- revert to a second creator. <laughs> so yeah, it's bad. <laughs> very bad indeed, Maddie. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So the next one, which I argue is the most important, I don't know why, I just do, is semantics, which is literally the meaning of whatever word you are using, which is really important because in the same way that you convey emotion, your sentence could convey emotion specifically before the time of emojis. Emojis are great, though. I mean... (laughs) it's becoming universal at this point, but yeah, semantics is absolutely important for conveying your meaning. And to add on to that, pragmatics is the context where you find that meaning. What's a good example that we could come up to distinguish these two? Um, Semantics, I would say, is like for a specific word in the sense that if I said the meaning of a word potty you could assume the bathroom but it also could be i like i personally need to go to the bathroom it has like different energies but the same meaning of we need to go to a restroom or restroom while pragmatics is you know when you're a kid and you're reading out like popcorn style and then your teacher goes so what does that mean and no one asks and they say okay, we're going to gather the context around the sentence that you're reading to understand it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. (laughs) And then lexicon, that one is overarching. I feel very large is the meaning of language, which I don't know how one unpacks because language is insanely vast. It is. I guess the meaning of language is ultimately communication. You need to communicate with other people because we are social creatures. Humans have stayed alive and have (laughs) grown together because they can work together. To work together, you need to communicate somehow. I can't believe you off the bat came up with a meaning of language. I think it just ties really well into psychology, how we relate to one another. 
communication, we don't realize it very often, but it is the center of how we communicate, it is the center of psychology. You wouldn't be able to, because psychology is literally about an individual. It's not sociology where you could look at the demographics of a giant population, but you literally need to speak to a person to know what the fuck is going on inside of their body, their head, their mind, whatever. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think this is a good place to wrap up. I think so, too. You got a coin? No, but I have a key. Okay. <laughs> and it, it says Queeset on one of the sides. Would you like to be Queeset or five? I guess Queeset, because... Okay. You know. When can you ever be Queeset, right? Exactly. This is my one and only shot. Ooh, it is Queeset. Queeset indeed, but also, I don't know if anyone could hear, but that, like, key noise when it flew was so beautiful. (laughs) Okay. Today we talked about language, which is a complex system of sounds and symbols that we are able to communicate so people can understand what the fuck we're saying. And so within that, there is a lot of parts to language, including the idea of phonemes, which are the smallest components of sound. So every single letter in a word, it has obviously the innate sound. So Maddie's example of ball, buh, ah, all of that. And then you can go into morphemes, which are the little micro things that can indicate a bigger thing. So cats, the end with the S is plural now. Then you have syntax, which are the rules of a sentence. So the grammatical rules. Prosody, which is how we convey emotions through, I guess, our how we speak it. I don't know why I couldn't figure out a way to describe that. But then you also have semantics, which are the meaning of a word. So what does it mean? Pragmatics, the meaning of the whole sentence. And then lexicon, which is Communication, language, meaning. Yay! (laughs) I think you language that really well. Oh my god, thank you. (laughs) So sweet. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we hope you learned something. Language is something we all use, but not always something we really look into. Thank you for listening to The Psychotic Break. I'm Maddie. And I'm Kimmy. Bye. Bye.